guests, we're so honored to have you with us today. Uh, we're always great to see guests with us. Uh, for this time, we please uh, pass those cards to the inside aisle, and these young men will pick it up at this time. We have just finished here at 70 West a historic event, something that only a few congregations in our brotherhood have uh, so far undertaken. I'm referring to SPARK. We just completed our SPARK, and if you have a question about how successful it was, let me urge you to read my bulletin article for just a tip of the iceberg of all the success that we had during SPARK. But we today don't want to rest on what we've accomplished in the past. We want to continue on. We want to ask the question, what is next for us here at 70 West? There will be some church-wide things happening in the coming weeks and coming months. I'm very, very excited about that. Those ideas are being presented, they're being talked about, they're being considered. And uh, sometime down the road, we're going to be presenting to you, the congregation, some of these great ideas. But today, I'm not here to talk about what we'll do as a church body. I want to talk about individually. How can you benefit from what we have accomplished in Spark? This morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you first to, to grow, to grow in knowledge. One of the comments I heard from many people was comments regarding the Bible knowledge of our speakers. And we had some of the best speakers here. And, uh, and they had a, a, a very strong knowledge of God's Word. Let me, in, let me in, let you get on a secret here, okay? They were not born that way. They gained that knowledge by studying God's Word. This morning, if I was speaking before a convention of, uh, of Harry Potter fans, for example, and if I was to stack all seven books of the Harry Potter story, if I was to ask the crowd, how many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you have read all seven books? I would say that probably every hand would go up. Every hand would say, yes, I have read all seven books. Question, if I was to ask you this morning, have you read this one book, God's book? How many hands would go up? How many hands would say, yes, I have read it cover to cover? I would say that not everybody's hand would go up. Let me give you this challenge. If you will commit to just 20 to 30 minutes of Bible reading a day, just 20 to 30 minutes a day, you will complete the Bible in one year. So often we make what we call New Year's resolution. Let me ask you to make a New Year's resolution early. Let's start it early. Let's commit to really knowing God's Word today. Number two, grow in commitment. Grow in commitment. Set the example. Let's set the example because people, people so often know Jesus by looking at our example. We are a walking billboard for the Lord. 
So let's set the example because people are looking. Let me ask you this. If, if your car only started once out of three times, would you be happy with that car? If your mailman only delivered your mail once out of three days, would you be pleased? At work, if you showed up at work just once out of every three days, would your employer be pleased with you? If your refrigerator just worked once out of three days, would you be happy with that refrigerator? I think you know where I'm going with this. Is God happy with our commitment level? Is God happy with our commitment level? Are we trying to do the minimum? Or are we trying to bring glory to God? Are we looking at what we can get by with? Are we looking at how we can bring honor and glory to Him? So grow in our commitment. Also, grow in service. Let spark be that spark that causes you to grow in service. If at all possible, get involved. Don't just be a pew sitter. Get involved. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul said, But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Question, has Michael Cox given himself first to the Lord? Have I given myself first to the Lord? Also, that passage that Billy read, Nehemiah chapter 4, the people had a mind to work. You know, there's a difference between having a mind to work there's the difference between having a mind to work and mind working. Which is it for us? Let's grow. Let's grow in our outreach. Remember I asked you before we had Spark, when we started the 40 days of prayer, I asked you to think of five people. Five people that you knew in this community that you wanted to see come and be a part of this and to be blessed by this. Let's not stop thinking about those five people. How can we help them? How can we show them Christian love? How can we outreach to them and bring them to the Lord? Now, as we get involved, as you get involved, as I get involved, refuse to listen to the naysayers. Because there always will be people that I call the naysayers. The company we call Apple always has what they call the big reveal. Each year they'll have uh, days when they're going to reveal their next biggest idea. Well, Apple gets excited about that because they want you to buy their products. There's another company that also gets excited when Apple has a big reveal. That company is located in Austin, Texas. The company's name is Teardown. Teardown operates out of Austin, Texas. And when the products come out, when Apple's products, new products finally come out, the employees of Teardown line up early at the stores because they want one of those new items. Because they're going to take it back to their office and they're going to tear it down. 
They're actually going to tear down that new item bit by bit, part by part. What are they doing? They're gathering information to share with their clients. They share that information with tech manufacturers, with financial investors looking for market trends, for, for resellers who want to know how much each part costs. And yes, for attorneys, because they use that information for patent infringement cases. You see, Teardown, their whole business is about tearing something down. Sad to say, there are some people who make it their primary business to tear things down rather than build people up. So expect it. Expect it when you're tempted to do great things for the glory of God. Just like Nehemiah, just like Nehemiah, expect opposition when you work to build God's kingdom. Expect the critics. Expect those who will try to tear you down when you attempt to honor God. That's what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah had moved, his heart had been moved by God to reestablish the walls around the city of Jerusalem. But there were people working against Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry, greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. He said in the presence of his brothers and in the army of Samaria, What are those feeble Jews doing? Those feeble Jews. Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish? And burn ones at that. Tobiah the Ammonite was beside himself. And he said, Yes, what they're building, if a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. What was Sanballat and Tobiah doing? Sanballat was the governor of Samaria to the north of Jerusalem. Uh, Tobiah was the governor of Ammon, just east of Jerusalem. And those two men, they, they, they wanted to control Jerusalem. They wanted to control this land. They didn't want Nehemiah to, to raise up a, a strong presence in Jerusalem. So what are they doing? They are making fun of Nehemiah's efforts. Verse 1 says they were greatly enraged. But at first they didn't express it in anger with physical blows. They expressed it with sarcasm, with ridicule. It's in by like, call them feeble Jews. They're just feeble Jews. He mocks their God. He says, will they sacrifice? Their God is not that strong. Will they sacrifice? They can't build a wall out of just rubbish. And even Tobiah joins in the sarcasm. You see, that's the way people are. People behave that way when they sense that they are losing control over you. They get very angry, and that anger begins to express itself in sarcasm and ridicule. And that's what's happening here to Nehemiah. 
And it can happen to you and me today. When our work for God threatens their comfort level, people will lash out. When you attempt to do great things for God, people will try to cut you down. So what do you must do? You've got to do what Nehemiah here does. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. Notice his prayer. Verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted from your sight. For they had provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Get on your knees before God and pray. Put it in His hands. Put it where it belongs, in God's hands. Nehemiah Nehemiah recognized that Sanballat and Tobiah's taunts were not against him directly, but actually they were against God himself. So he asked God to handle it. God, they're making fun of you. Please do something about it. Never avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Nehemiah turned it over to God, and we should date too. He talks to God, and that's what we need to do as people. Don't counterattack. Don't even try to explain yourself. Just put it in God's hands. When you experience opposition and criticism, don't fight on your feet. Fight on your knees. Give it to the Lord in prayer. Imagine, for just a moment... Imagine you are a billionaire. You are a billionaire. And you're in New York City, and you're just getting out of a cab. And the fare is $9. And you've got three $10 bills in your wallet. So you hand that cab driver a 10 say, just keep it. Just keep the change. Keep that dollar. And you get out of the cab. But then you realize when you look next time in your wallet that instead of giving that cab driver a $10 bill, you gave him two $10 bills. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to go to the police and say, hey, that cab driver's got my $10. You've got to get it back. Are you going to storm the, the doors of City Hall? <clears throat> City Hall? Are you going to storm the doors of City Hall and demand action? Are you going to say, hey, something's got to happen here. I've, I've been cheated. No, you're not going to worry about it. Because, in essence, you are a billionaire. You're not worried about that $10. It's just $10. This week, somebody may criticize you. What are you going to do about it if you're a Christian? Will this disrupt your contentment with life? Will you shake your fist at God and toss and turn at night? If so, 
I submit to you that it's because you don't know how truly rich you are. If you're that upset about your status with somebody, if you're constantly lashing out at people for hurting your feelings, you have actually lost touch with your identity. Because your identity is as a Christian. And as a Christian, you are a spiritual billionaire. And you're wringing your hands over $10. When someone criticizes you, don't wring your hands over $10. Instead, put it in the Lord's hands. Pray, and then do what? Proceed with the work. I challenge you to grow in service. For each one of us to look and see what we can do to be more involved, less Look at those ideas and let's get involved. Let's not just be a pew sitter. Let's be involved. Keep on going. Continue with your work. Verse number six. The people had a mind to work, it says. They had a mind to work. Keep on going. I can picture this scene in my head. Sanballat and Tobiah are, are shouting their insults. Nehemiah looks to heaven, turns it over to God, and says, hey, hand me another brick. I've got work to do. When Nehemiah experienced opposition, he prayed, and then he proceeded with the work. Don't answer the critic with your words. Answer the critic with your work. That's what Colonel George Washington Goffles did. He was tasked with the job of building the Panama Canal. And in building the canal, he experienced a lot of problems with geography and the climate. And he got behind schedule. And his critics started saying, well, you'll never finish one of his colleagues said, well, aren't you going to answer those critics? He said, yes, when I present to them a finished Panama Canal. Answer your critics with your work, not with words. However, I realize something here. Even the success of your work may not silence your critics. So what do you do then? What do you do when the in, in opposition intensifies? When the attacks grow worse? You've got to protect yourself. You guard yourself from further attacks. You shield yourself from those who seek to harm you. Verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and that all the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. You've got Sanballat in the north. You've got Tobiah and the Ammonites in the east. You've got the Arabs from the south. You've got the Ashdaites from the west. And they're all ganging up on Nehemiah. Verse 8. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Verse 9. And we prayed. We prayed to our God and we set a guard. 
protection. We set a guard as a protection against them day and night. They prayed, true, but they also took the right step of protection. Pray and protect yourself when criticism continues. When someone is constantly critical, no matter what you do, you talk to God, but you don't let those naysayers talk to you anymore. Because you see, there are some people you will never, ever satisfy. If you can walk on water, they would criticize you for the inability to swim. If you gave them $10, they would criticize you that it wasn't $100. You don't have to listen to such people. In fact, you shouldn't listen to such people. One wise man said this, a man who is constantly continually criticized, becomes good for nothing if he listens to the criticism. Don't let people do that to you. Paul said to the man Titus, Titus chapter 3, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self condemned. Do you hear what God is saying in his word? He's saying, have nothing more to do with that person. After one or two warnings, you stay away from that person. Romans 16 makes it very clear. Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Verse number 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Was Paul ever criticized? Yes. Did he listen to them? No. He continued to do God's will. It's a lesson I have learned the hard way, personally. We cannot let contentious and critical people run roughshod over others in the church. In fact, we should not even, even give them the time of day. Peter said it like this, 1 Peter chapter 5, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he loves to get God's people accusing each other. So we have to watch out for that. We have to protect ourselves from such accusations. I know that sounds a little scary, but here's the good news. Christ's death on the cross has already defeated Satan. It's rendered him powerless. The lion has been declawed and defanged. So we don't need to be afraid of Satan anymore. We don't need to let him push us around, and we certainly don't need to let him cause dissension. We just need to do what Jesus urged us to do in Matthew chapter 26. Watch and pray that you may not enter into 
temptation. Remember, whatever you attempt to do, if you attempt to do something for the Lord, you're going to have some critics. You're going to have some opposition. So when it comes, you pray. You proceed with the work. You protect yourself as much as possible. And please, don't let critics stop you from doing what God has called you to do. This morning, I am challenging you to grow. To grow in knowledge. To grow in commitment. To grow in service. And to grow in outreach. Are you ready to grow? Are you a Christian? God has a simple plan to save you. Believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. That puts you into the Lord. As a Christian, as a Christian, do you need to come back to Him? Has your commitment not been there? Has your service not been there? Has your knowledge become weak? Has your example faltered? We stand ready to pray with you and for you this morning. We want to do that. We want to see you back living faithful to the Lord. It could be a spark that starts you on that road. May that spark happen today. Will you please come? Will we stand and sing for your